So this morning, um, I'm so glad to be here. I love coming out here. It's so fun. Who loves Pastor Tim and Jody? Amazing, right? <laughs> Amazing leaders. Just beautiful hearts. They're incredible. Um, and yes, we tried to get Pastor Jody to come teach, but she can't because she's busy having a baby. Um, which is, you know, how I know about she's having a baby because couldn't, she couldn't teach in the first half of the year, but we're still believing she's going to teach in the second half and bring the small child with her maybe. Anyway, we'll, we'll figure that out. Um, so this morning, uh, what, we're, what we're talking about um, is so precious and I'm so glad that I, I get to speak on this topic because it's something that's uh, so foundational in my world. You know, it's a, it's a brilliant time of the year, isn't it? It's so much fun. But, and we all go, as believers, we all go, okay, so it's about Jesus. It's not actually about the gifts until, you know, then you, you know, keep going to the mall and buy more gifts. But it is actually about Jesus, right? And we're, we're big on that, aren't we? He's the reason for the season, right? We're big on let's focus on Jesus. Let's not get caught up in the um, commercialism of Christmas. But I want to just go a little bit deeper this morning and go, well, okay, so Jesus was born at Christmas. Well, we think so. Um, we celebrate Jesus' birth at Christmas is a better way of putting it, right? But what, what motivated the Father to send the Son, right? What is behind all that? Um, why did he do it? And there's no better place to start to look at this than John 3.16, which is, you know, a good place to start for everything, right? Um, so let's look at that scripture. It says, this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone in, who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him. At the heart of the Christmas message and at the heart of the gospel is God's love for us. It's God's love for us. You know, it's not, you know, he didn't, it doesn't say the, the father sent his son to satisfy the righteous requirements of the law, does it? Although he did. It also doesn't say he sent his son to overcome all evil and set the world back right the way it was supposed to be before the fall. It doesn't say that, does it? But he did. And it doesn't say he sent Jesus to show us how to live, right? Does it? No. But he did. But it's not at the heart of it. At the heart of why Jesus came to this earth is because the Father loves us so much that he wanted to be in connection with us, that he wanted to be in relationship with us. And that relationship was broken by the fall. And so God, the Father, decided to send the Son. And we've got to remember that, that, that at the heart of it all is God's love, God's amazing love for us. Um, you know, and we talk about it often, God loves us, but what does that actually mean to us? You know, the thing is human beings are created to be loved because here's the deal. I get a little Bible college on you. You're good. You're smart people at Penrith, I hear, right? So we are created in the image of God, right? And God is... One God, three persons in perfect unity, right? The Trinity, it's a mystery, but just we just have to believe it by faith. We do unpack it at college and then we get to the end of it and go, just believe by faith. 
because it's a mystery, you know. But the thing is, if there's three persons operating in total unity, right, the thing that binds them together that is constantly, they call it perichoesis, the dance between the three, is, is love. Because God is love. He doesn't have love. He is love. And so, so they are in perfect unity all the time. And the thing flowing between them is constant, unconditional love, right? And then he creates us in his image. And so we are created to be in that love, right? Because if we're created in his image, we're created with a need for that love. And, you know, a lot of times um, people spend their lives searching for love, right? And searching for, and they do all sorts of crazy things in the name of love. Anyone else go to you two? Two wicked? Oh, loved it. Anyway, side issue. Um, I just went there. As soon as I said in the name of love, I was like, oh, I'm back there. Um, we do all sorts of crazy things. But we've got to realise that actually it's because it's, it's kind of programmed into us. We're created in the image of a, a God who is in a love relationship and so we are born to live in it. Um, and, and that is the heart of Christmas is that Jesus came so that we can experience that love, so that we can know that we are loved by God, right? And he loved us so much that he gave us what was most precious to him, which is a good thing, right? Um, in Romans 5, it says this. Now, most people might be willing to die for an upright person, though some people might perhaps be willing to die for a person, would not be willing to die for an upright person. Some people would be willing to die for a person who is especially good, but God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Because Christmas is not about a baby being born. It's about a son being sent to die on a cross. There's this um, beautiful poem that says, it's talking about the journey of the Magi and it says, did we come here for a birth or a death? Because intrinsic in Jesus' birth is the purpose that he was born for. And that is that he was born to die for us so that God could be in relationship with us again, so that we could receive that beautiful love of God, right? Um, and it's... In Romans 8, it says this, What shall we say about such a wonderful things as these? If God is for us, what can, who can be against us? Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him, all, gave him up for us, won't he also give us everything else? You know, God's love is lavish, and he will give, he is, there's nothing that he won't pour out on us because he's given us his best, right? Now, sometimes that takes a bit of a journey, right? But we have got to get a revelation on the inside of us that we are loved. That it's not about anything else in the heart of the Father. It's about how much he loves us. Now, that love should do a few things in our lives. The first thing that it should do is that, and it should do a whole lot of things. We're just going to focus on three this morning. Because honestly, you could spend, you could spend your lifetime, Right? Talking about the love of God because it's at his heart. But we're going to look at three things this morning. The first one is that this love should bring us freedom. It should change the way that we live. 
um, because we operate from a place of being loved rather than seeking love and we have it now to give away. Um, you know, and that is freedom because we're, instead of being like these people wandering around the earth like desperate to try and find love, actually we have it and so now we can operate out of it. And that is freedom, right? Because we're free from that thing that is trying to fill this hole that nothing else can fill, right? And people find all different ways of trying to seek out God's love. And some of them, you know, in, in our brains, we go to certain, certain um, scenarios. But even for, for believers and church members, sometimes if we don't have a revelation of the love of God, we will do crazy things to try and get it, right? And I know this because as a, as a fairly young believer, I was, I had no, I, I was saved, but I didn't have a revelation that God loved me. And so what, the way that that outworked in my life, and some of you may be the same, because when we think about people searching for love, we think about them in all sorts of different relationships or, you know, doing all sorts of crazy things. But there's also some things that seem good but actually are just us seeking love. And for me, I was a, I was a new Christian and I, I didn't really get it that God loved me. And so what I did then, because I am a little, you know, overachieving kind of person is that I went into trying to earn it. And we can, as believers, even we can so easily slip into that. And so I was, you know, in kids every week in the morning, in youth every week at night, like running around like a maniac, um, trying to earn God's love. And one night, and I so remember it because I was still in my um, beautiful Anglican church that I got saved in, a spirit-filled Anglican church, I'm so grateful for my Anglican um, roots because they're really strong on the Bible, which serves me well now because um, <laughs> I've got to run a Bible college. It's good. Um, and, and I so remember after service one Sunday night, the, the youth leaders um, sitting me down at the, at the front of the church and we were sitting on the beautiful carpeted stairs in this old, old church building in Roseville. And they prayed for me. Because they, they could see the drivenness in me, right? And they could see the um, striving in me. So they sat down and they're like, Pam. I think I like probably burst into tears because I was exhausted. And they're like, um, well, just, you need a revelation of God's love. That's what they told me. And then they prayed for me. And guess what happened? Nothing. Anyone else ever been on altar call and nothing happens? Yeah. Squat. Nothing. Absolutely zero. I was like, oh, thanks, guys. Um, that was awesome. I mean, I felt their hearts and I probably felt the presence of God. They're spirit-filled people. But absolutely nothing changed on the inside of me. I went home. I went to bed. I was like, okay, awesome. I get up and at the time I was working in, I was doing uh, AIDS research in, at St. Vincent's. It was the 80s. And, um, and I went to work and... One of the things that we did um, back then, you know, we we're all gowned and double gloved and in negative pressure, all this stuff, because people didn't know as much about AIDS as they do now. And um, every night we soaked the centrifuge buckets in bleach. Now, centrifuge is a thing that spins blood around fast so that you separate the 
blood red blood cells from the plasma and the white cells. And every night you had to soak those things in bleach because who knows what gooblies are flung out of the tubes even though they had, you know. It's just not good. So I was standing and the first thing you did when you got into work was um, rinse out the centrifuge buckets. They're these heavy metal things. And so I'm standing in my... And it was 7.30 in the morning. There was no one else in the lab. And I'm standing there, like, rinsing out centrifuge buckets in an AIDS lab. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And here's what he said. He said, nothing you can do can make me love you more. And that revelation just dropped into my spirit. And connected to that was, I love you 100%. You can't get more. You know, there's a few times in your life that you really hear God that clearly. And it changed everything for me. It doesn't change how, mu- how I serve. It doesn't change how much I serve, but it changes why I serve. Right? I still serve Jesus, but I served it out of a revelation that I am loved. And that I don't have to do things to earn God's love. I have it. And that revelation is deep in my spirit. And so what it means is things like, it, it means I still serve God. It means that I still went on a church plant to New York. It's st- all these things still happen, but they come out of a totally different place in my heart. They come out of, I know I'm loved. I'm, and because I've received that love, I want to serve God. Not I'm trying to gain something, right? Um, and so what that does for me is, so this year, um, just to connect how that revelation shifts things. So this year, um, my mum has been living with me. And I, I, we live in a, you would think we were um, Greeks or Italians because we live in a crazy big house. Actually, we are Greek background, so there you go. Um, and you know what I've realised? People living on their own is kind of crazy. I get it now why people live in big extended families and people all buy houses in the same street. It's just practical at the end of the day. Um, So I live in a house with my brother and sister-in-law and their two kids. We all bought this big house together. And um, then we had this big concrete slab down underneath the house that gets filled up with other people's stuff if you leave it there. Like every friend and family member thinks they can store their stuff there. So instead we went... um, Let's turn it into an apartment and my brother and sister-in-law went to the Mercy Ships for a few years and it becomes an income stream. And then my mum gets dementia, which is kind of awful, but well, it's a lot of awful. Um, but this year, and so she was living on her own and then um, she deteriorated and couldn't do that anymore, but she's not ready for a nursing home. So she's not... not her dementia's not bad enough that she needs a nursing home this year, but it's bad enough she can't live alone. So she comes and live with us, lives with us, which is wonderful and draining and awful and holy all at once, right? But what it means for me is that for the first time since I joined C3 Church in 1988 and then started for college and started serving, in the first time in 30 years, I can't run or host a connect group. Because I need to go home every night and between us all we need to make sure she has dinner and all these things. And I'm not saying don't, don't do connect groups. I've done them for 29 years. They're flipping brilliant, right? Connect group is amazing. If you're not in one, you need to be in one. But 
if I didn't have the revelation that God loves me, I would be feeling very guilty this year, right? But I have a revelation that God loves me and accepts me right where I am. And when I can't do something for a year, and normally on a Sunday morning, and I can't be on team this year because I bring mum to church normally. And I have to sit with her and I have to hold her hand and walk her out, right? And that's okay for a year because I know that God loves me, right? It's not okay for a, as a lifestyle, right? It doesn't mean you don't serve, but it means that when there's seasons where you can't, you go, the, the fact that God loves me is not dependent on my serving, right? And this, in this season, my serving is looking after my mum, and that's okay, right? And that's totally fine. So we, and it, there is such freedom in that. There's such freedom that comes with knowing that you know that you are loved and accepted. Because you can just be who you are. You don't have to be anyone else. It stops all sorts of striving in your life if you can get a revelation of how much God loves you. The second thing that it does is it redefines how we love. Um, because God's love is not dependent on how he feels about us today. He's committed to us. He doesn't fall in and out of love with us, right? He's like 100% all the time right? And so then it should change how we love other people. If we get a revelation of that, you know, I um, go to a lot of weddings because of college and they're all wonderful. Once I went to like six weddings in six weeks. I was like, whoa, that's a lot of weddings. Um, Strapless wedding dresses were in that year. Every single girl had them. Um, And they were all beautiful. And I, about a couple of months ago, I came across um, some vows that There was a couple that got married from college and they flew me to Dallas to do their wedding, which was kind of awesome. I loved it. It was very festive. Um, But I came across there and they're they're very passionate, very emotional people. And he's a songwriter and also a feisty New Yorker um, in a kind of weird mix. And I came across their vows. Again, I found them somehow in my office desk um, a couple of months ago and and I read them again. I'm like... Dear God, I got quite worried when I read their vows because he was promising her the world, right? And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Because when you're in the moment and they're reading their vows, everyone's, you know, crying and emotional and it's beautiful. But when you just get the piece of paper and you look at his vows, you're like, dude, I know you. I'm not really sure you can do this, right? (laughs) Sorry to be so practical, but, you know, I was like... Oh, my gosh. But then I thought, here was my thought. If he stays close to Jesus, he'll be okay. If he doesn't, I'm very concerned for this marriage. But anyway, but one of his commitments on the thing was, I promise to take you to church every Sunday of your life. And I was like, go bearish. Um, And so he has a hope if he does it. The only way that we can um, give people unconditional God godly love is if we stay close to him and if we have a revelation of him so the revelation of God's love for us should change the way we love Um, it should then become a love that is sacrificial because because in sending his son the father was sacrificial right so we should have a love that puts other people above ourselves shouldn't we 
And I know that that's bad in this whole self-care, look after yourself generation. And I'm into it. I'm into looking after ourselves. But there's got to be a part of our love that is sacrificial, right? That is willing to go the extra mile for people. In John 15, 13, it says, there's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You know, if we're going to follow Jesus, we actually have to follow Jesus and do what he did. So we have to have that ability. We've got to, and, and if we have God's love on the inside of us, we can have a love that's committed and create security for people, right? Because God's love is committed. He, it says in Romans 8, 30, it's probably 25 to 27, sorry guys. It says, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean that he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake we are killed every day. We're being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all things, our overwhelming victory is ours through Christ Jesus who loves us. There is nothing that can separate us from the love of God, right? And therefore, we have to, if we can receive that love into our hearts, we can give away love that is committed to people, that doesn't run from them. You know, um, one of the things that Pastor Phil has been criticised for is the fact that he's, he's stood with a friend who's gone to jail. I'm like, really? You're criticising him for not abandoning his friend in his toughest hour? Like, what is that? I don't get it. It's because it's, it's worldly love, right? He, and, and Pastor Phil's like, I don't, I don't understand their... It's in Singapore. I don't understand their system. And maybe he did do some things wrong, but he's my friend. I'm going to stand with him through thick and thin. I'm like, this is, that's what love is, right? Is that we are commit, when we receive God's love, we're committed to people. And then it has to be a love that reconciles. Because at the heart of Christmas is that God wanted to reconcile us to himself. The Father wanted to reconcile us. And you know, some of us over the Christmas season need to understand that we have love within us that can reconcile family members. That, and I'm not talking about abusive situations, but most things are just like problems to solve. Most conflicts within families. And some of us, this Christmas, can receive God's love and then be agents of reconciliation. It's not easy and it's going to take some sacrificing on our part. But maybe this Christmas, our love can change and we can be agents of reconciliation, right? And the third thing that this love does is that it's not just for us. It's meant to be shared. You know, um, I love that you guys are doing Christmas table next week. Sounds very cool. If I wasn't at Roselle, I would be out here because I'm sitting around tables eating food while church is on. It's just joy, right? So much fun. Um, and, but here's the deal. We have this great love that God has given us, right? And it's not just for us. It's to give away. So when you invite someone to, to Christmas table next week, because I'm believing that you're all going to do it, don't invite them to a church service. I mean, do with your words. But in your heart, invite them to experience the greatest love they've ever, they'll ever known. Because if we have received this great love, who are we to say 
like we need to give it away, right? We need other people to experience it. So in your heart go, yes, I'm inviting them to church. But what I'm really inviting them to is to receive a love that will change their life. That will give them freedom and give them security and help them be agents of reconciliation. And that will never change. They can get the love that they can never earn. Right? So, you know, because sometimes in our brains we get all like, oh, I've got to invite people, but I'm inviting them to church. Yes, you are. But what you're inviting them into is God's love. That's what you're inviting them into. And if you can get that in your heart, it'll break through all sorts of barriers in your head, right? Because some of the barriers in your head will be like, but they might have seen the current affair story. Maybe they have. But maybe they need to come and know that, that the love of God is in this place, right? So maybe you just... and. Maybe they didn't because who watches it anyway? Uh, sorry, a current affair. Sorry if you work for current affair. Um, but, you know, they, these things all come and go. We can break through all these barriers in our brains that go, I'm just, they're too busy, it's too this, too that. When we think in our hearts, I'm inviting them to experience the greatest love they'll ever know. The love of the Father that sent the Son at, at Christmas and that fills our hearts with the Holy Spirit. How cool is that? So this morning, I'm, if I could have the band up, that would be great. You know, if you, I don't know all of you, so I don't know that you've all experienced the love of God. Uh, and I want you to experience the love of God that, that shifted something profound on the inside of me. So if you could all close your eyes for a moment. I'm going to give you an opportunity now. So if you have never asked Jesus into your life, if you've never said, I want to receive God's love, I know that I've spent my life trying to find love and trying to prove myself and, and striving and but I want to receive the love of God this morning that's available to me because Jesus died on a cross. If you've never asked him into your life, I want to give you that opportunity this morning. Or if you've asked him into your life but you've walked away from him, and I don't mean that you haven't read your Bible this week or you haven't prayed this week. I mean that you know that you've walked away from him on the inside, that you've made a decision and you might even still be showing up to church. But in your heart, you're no longer connected to God and you need to come back. Or that you have no assurance of salvation this morning. You don't know that you know if something was going to happen to you tonight that you, would, that you, would, you wouldn't know whether or not you'd be present with God in eternity. So if any of those three apply to you this morning, if you've never made a decision to say, Jesus, I accept your sacrifice on a cross. I want to receive God's love today. Or if you've walked away, or if you don't know that you know that you would spend eternity with Jesus, I just want you to raise your hand and we'll pray with you. We're not going to embarrass you or bring up the front. We're just going to pray. 
Thank you, Jesus. I'll just give you a moment. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. It's awesome we all are in relationship with Jesus. Why don't you stand with me this morning? Because here's what I know. You can... You can be in relationship with God, but you can be like I was and have no revelation that God loves you with a love that you can do nothing to add to any day. That He loves you 100% right where you are with every failing and flaw and sin in your world that, you know, the things that we keep doing that we don't want to do that God loves you 100% right where you are today. If you don't have a revelation of that this morning or if you want a fresh revelation of that, why don't you just reach out your hands to heaven right now and ask God to fill you afresh with his love. Thank you, God. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you. I thank you that the heart of this season is that you love us, that that you sent your son because you loved us so much, you didn't want to not be in relationship with us. So Father, this morning I pray that each one of us would have a fresh revelation of your love on the inside of us. That those of us that are striving to earn it, that would stop today in Jesus' name. That those of us that are looking for it in other places, either in relationships or in our jobs or wherever, that that would stop today. And God, we would be people walk around with a revelation on the inside. I am loved by the Most High God. I am loved 100% right where I am today. And at this Christmas season, I can give away out of the overflow of that love. That I have plenty to give away because the love of God is shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Spirit. Oh God, thank you. Thank you, God, that we can experience that. And that it would give us rest on the inside, freedom on the inside. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God.